All right, I got something, man. Let's do a let's do like a nationwide shout out. I like that. Let's you go. Like this? How about a little flavor? That good? I like it. Back with Nationwide in Houston, cause this journey is just begun. Let's go, kid. We love you, Nationwide. Dos Marcos Podcast. It's the greatest mattress industry podcast on the planet. Wait, isn't this the only mattress industry podcast? He's Mark Kensley. I truly felt bad for you at the time. He's Mark Quinn. I think Bigfoot was actually very pleasant. Together, they are Dos Marcos. So, Kinsley, back when we were both at Leggett and Platt, we got an invitation, sleep train back then, was doing their big golf tournament. Everybody went to it. And it was a very, very cool event. And this particular year, it was going to be a Caddyshack theme. And so we had the idea that if they're going to have a Caddyshack theme and they're trying to raise money for their foster kid program, which is an amazing uh, charity, uh, we thought we'd have a lot of fun with that. And true to form, we had thoughts on what we'd be wearing and all these things. And one of the things that we did was we went to our R&D center, and those guys are working on quilting machines and coiling machines, so that we give them a fun project. We wanted to recreate Rodney Dangerfield's golf bag and update it with current technology and all that stuff, and then we would donate that to Dale and his team to auction off. And we thought, well, I don't know. If we do that, like it's probably going to be expensive. It's going to be a wow thing, though, with the ejector clubs and the – we put an iPad in this one in particular, a really cool Bluetooth speaker system, uh, even a keg on a linear actuator so the keg pops up out of the bag and you can have a beer. Really pimped out this golf bag. But we weren't really sure if anyone was going to buy it. And I left Leggett right before the golf tournament. So you got to go to the golf tournament and see the auction. So take us from there. Like what happened to that? Well, we got to the tournament in Sacramento. And the golf bag was an automatic hit because just like Rodney Dangerfield, you could pop open the side of it, you could hook it up to your phone, and you had Bluetooth capabilities. So you had a stereo system. You know, when do you remember the scene where? Oh yeah. So what? So let's dance. So let's dance. And then you had the the remote control that fired the six golf clubs that could shoot out the top, and then you could hopefully grab them in time. Yep. Uh, So I played troubleshooter a little bit because the golf bag was in transit. You know, things were shaking around. So we got it all working and got it all organized and and it was part of the auction event and I you know we were fingers crossed hoping number one somebody would buy it and uh, number two we could you know get the thing to to do all the fun stuff that it was supposed to do. Someone who was fun and had a kind heart and wanted to donate some money, right? 
Yeah, and so we were so fortunate to to find that person. And as a matter of fact, did you say find that sucker? Find that that person. (laughs) Oh, person. Sorry. And so uh, we were really lucky that uh, that Rick Anderson, Temper Sealy North America's president, uh, actually purchased the golf bag. And and here's the deal: I may regret asking this question, but I have to ask you, Rick, what is the status of the Caddyshack golf bag that you own? It's alive, well, and safe, Mark. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it was, I, I will, I will admit, it was one of the most torrid live auction battles back and forth that I ever remember. And, and of course, if you're bidding on something in a live auction, the last thing you want to do is be in a torrid battle. Uh, but I, I forget who was bidding. I think it might have been you. Were you bidding against me? I think uh, you, you know, I can't comment on that, Rick. Yeah, that that yeah. sounds right, Rick. That sounds right. Because I, you know, I, I I fell in love with the bag uh, upon seeing it during the day. I said I have to have this, and uh, thought I could pick it up at a pretty good price. I ended up paying a lot more than I thought I would. So, but it went for the kids. So you, you it did go for the kids. It was for the kids. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking time to be on the Dos Marcos podcast, the galaxy's best mattress industry podcast. Unless you've run a- across one that's better than this one, please let us know. I, I haven't, and I appreciate you guys inviting me on. I'm looking forward to having a good conversation with you today. Good. Um, and so you have to tell us, though, like when you took this out, you're on the golf course with your buddies, and I assume you tried this thing out at one point. What did your foursome say about that golf bag? I actually, I actually did a little bit better than that. I took it to a member guest golf tournament uh, and prominently parked it on the first tee uh, on the first day. And uh, everybody kind of gathered around it and got a good look at it. We used it for the happy hour after the first day. We we served drinks out of it. We played music out of it. Uh, everybody was blown away with it. Now, in terms of its usefulness on the golf course, is a bit of a problem in that it weighs about 175 pounds. <laughs> and the issue with putting it on a golf cart was you lost the front wheels off the off the ground. <laughs> so, so you really couldn't get anywhere uh, with it. So it ended up staying ar- around the clubhouse most of the time. It was not really practical for golf, which isn't why I bought it anyway. So, um, <laughs> uh, it was it was a big hit, big hit. And I appreciate Mark Kinsley. You know the work you did to bring that sucker back to life after it shipped out there, and, and then to get it shipped to my house. That was uh, it was some amazing work. I appreciate the support. Well, it, it sounds like as you paint that picture, and it's my pleasure, um, as you paint that picture, now you're going to have to have uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson as your caddy yeah. in order for you to actually take the bag out and enjoy it on the golf course. I, I, hey, I, thought, maybe, I thought maybe the two of you guys could do it. Yeah, sure. We're there for you. Um, we do a lot of stuff. We've uh, recently appeared in a um, music music video for a retailer out there, so we're, we find ourselves doing lots of things. But anyway, so hey, I want to I rewind here. You may not remember this, but um, we were at a Furniture Today betting conference, and I'm telling you, Rick, this was – I don't even know how long ago. How long have you been in the industry? Uh, I'm in my 14th year right now. Okay, so it's, it's probably year one, and you were on the stage with a lot of other betting executives, and Dave Perry was having a Q&A with betting executives – so you guys went through all that, and you got off a stage, and you and I were sitting there talking with a couple other people, and I'll never forget you saying, um, you know, this is one crazy industry. Like, where I came from, we would have never been on a stage with our competitors talking about business issues to a live audience. 
And you, you, it just made me laugh because it is totally, I mean, every industry is different, I suppose. But anyway, now looking, you know, 14 years later, as you look in the rearview mirror, how, how has your opinion about this industry kind of evolved? Do you remember that, first of all? Oh, I definitely remember it. And I, I, more importantly, I remember the, uh, the, the, uh, differences between where I came from and where I was at. I'd say, you know, 14 years later, here's, here's my assessment. I think this industry has it right. Um, I think other industries where your competitors are people that, you know, shall not be named and shall not be conversed with is probably an old way of thinking. And I think the, the wonderful part about the industry that we're all part of is that it is a people business that everybody, uh, has contacts and connections. Uh, you can learn and leverage in appropriate ways from people around you. And as an industry, we can, through things like ISPA, we can tackle problems that make the industry better. So I actually think 14 years later, this is the right way to do it. That's a really encouraging assessment. And, and I agree, you know, whenever I first got into the industry, I, I was on the, on the advertising marketing agency side of things and Legan and Platt was my client. And about a year and a half into it, I realized I really love this industry. It's not what I expected. People operate differently than I anticipated. Uh, but there was a real sense of community. There was a sense of helpfulness. And there there was this attitude kind of that the rising tide lifts all ships. So I couldn't agree more. I, I got to rewind even more, though, Rick, because for people who don't know, tell us your story. Because you came into the mattress industry from outside. And uh, t- talk about your career and tell us about your story. And I'll even connect to that last question a little bit on it. Um, I spent about 25 years in various sales and marketing roles uh, in um, in the consumer packaged goods industry, specifically for companies like Duracell, Gillette, Oral-B, Procter & Gamble. And uh, the interesting thing about that is it gave me a great opportunity to understand brands, a great opportunity to understand global businesses, uh, to really understand what consumer products were all about. And, you know, as I went through my progression of various jobs and roles in that world, each one you learn a little bit more from and you learn uh, how to build upon things you've learned in the past. And and I'll give you, a, you know, a few examples as we go through the conversation here today. And, and many of them really do reach all the way back into my earliest days of business learning and training in those industries. And, you know, th- the 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 job at Duracell it was most of the time was spent at Duracell about 21 years, and if there ever was a commodity product, it's a it's an Alcon battery. Um, they're the same size. Everybody has the same size. Everybody puts the same ingredients inside of them. The laws of electrochemistry produce the same amount of electricity out of each one of them. Yet everybody thought Duracell lasted longer. So. There's a real marketing lesson in there somewhere, and, and that really helped me over the years to become very attuned at how do you differentiate your brand, how do you make sure you're telling the right story about your brand, and how do you create what I'll call handles and hooks to help a brand survive in a in a very, very crowded marketplace. There's a lot of media noise out there, and brands have to cut through. So, you know, those early days in my career – as I learned those things were very valuable, and you know I've been able to apply many of those over the last 14 years to the Tempur-Pedic brand, and and then of course over the last six or so with the Sealy and the Stearns and Foster brands after after those two companies came together. So it's very very um, um, 
rich background in that packaged goods world. Um, the other thing I'd add, just back to your earlier point about competition, is a funny little story. Um, the Duracell Global headquarters is in uh, Western Connecticut on Route sixty on, on Route sixty four of all, all, all places, and it's um, and it's at exit eight. And for the longest time, uh, the Energizer Global headquarters was owned by Union Carbide, and they were at exit two. And you want to talk about two competitors who had basically the same – we lived in the same town. Uh, we hated each other. We couldn't talk to each other. You couldn't go to the same restaurants as other people. Restaurants were off limits for company policy. And so that conversation we had earlier about getting along with your competitors as an industry, I lived it in a fishbowl in Connecticut where both the major manufacturers were located within five or six miles of each other, and uh, we couldn't we, we couldn't stand each other. So, again, back to your question, I love this industry because you, you don't have to have that kind of a approach. Okay, i got to ask about a story that I heard. I read this in a marketing book years ago, and it just came back to me since we're talking about the batteries industry. Is that the right term for it, the batteries yeah, industry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's portable in portable energy can portable device. power. We used to call it portable power. It gave us more, more room to play. Yeah. All right. So I heard I heard that outside of the United States, it is the Duracell bunny. Do you know this story? Oh, I I, I live this story. Yeah. Tell, tell us that story. The Duracell bunny, not the Energizer bunny. Well, um, I won't go into too much detail on it, but in the in the early seventies. Uh, Duracell globally used an advertising campaign that had uh, little elephants playing little drums, little bunnies playing little drums, little squirrels playing little drums. And we used that ad campaign in the U.S. and internationally for years, and it was very effective. It was a great way of showing how a Duracell battery lasted longer than other batteries. You might have 25 bunnies, and one of them had Duracell, and the Duracell one lasted longer. And so um, in 1988, of all things, um, we had abandoned the use of that ad campaign in the U.S. And Energizer decided, well, geez, we've got a new battery, and we're just as good as everybody else. We're certainly as good as Duracell. So what we'll do is we'll come out with an advertising campaign that started, frankly, the first ad started with all those bunnies on a table that Duracell had. And then that very irreverent Energizer bunny you know today came steaming across the uh, across the television screen, wiped out all those bunnies, and had his sunglasses on, and he was overly cool with his sandals. And he said, but they didn't invite us to their party, right? So that's how the whole thing got started. And um, I would say that the bunny in the U.S. was never a big part of the ad campaign for Duracell. Uh, so Energizer just simply used it, and they became the Energizer Bunny. Now, internationally, the Bunny was a much bigger part of Duracell's advertising, and to this day, the Bunny is a Duracell Bunny uh, in every country except the United States and possibly Canada. So it's wow. a, globally, it is, the, it is the Duracell Bunny. In the U.S., it's an Energizer Bunny, and now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> That's good. Very cool. Okay, so Rick – Transitioning back to to our industry, which also energizes people through through better sleep, um, take take us into kind of the current state of the state for Tempur Sealy. Uh, what's happening? I mean, obviously there's some uh, really big evolutions in the business. Um, I'm going to leave that question open ended and let you just take it from your perspective. 
Well, it, it, and I appreciate that. Um, I'll try to do it. There's a thousand different ways I could go in directions. I'll try to make this as, as helpful and as entertaining for your listeners as possible. I think you first have to start with uh, our recently reported earnings. Um, we are one of three publicly traded mattress companies in the space. There's us and there's Sleep Number and there's Purple. And uh, as such, we have to report our earnings uh, on a quarterly basis, and we just did so for the uh, for the calendar quarter or the, or the calendar quarter ending June uh, very recently. So our sales are up significantly um, in the quarter. We're up 10% on a global basis, uh, led by North America. Which, when I say North America, I mean the U.S. and Canada. Uh, U.S. and Canada sales for the company were up 11%. Uh, we had good margin expansion, and we delivered um, a, a record uh, earnings per share for the quarter. Um, interestingly, on Tempur-Pedic, this is really where it kind of jumps off the page a little bit. Uh, the Tempur-Pedic brand in, in the second quarter was up 17% versus the prior year, which is a, which is a huge number uh, in, in, in my experience here. Um, and then, but when you take out the impact of floor models, the prior year we shipped a lot of floor models, and so they're in the numbers when you're comparing versus 2018. When you take those out, the Tempur-Pedic business in 2019 actually actually grew by 30%. So that's positive. Sealy, which was a really interesting part of our portfolio, hasn't really grown much uh, in the f- six years that uh, Temper and Sealy have been together. But in the second quarter, Sealy grew 7%, um, and that outperformed everybody's expectations, and it it grew across all price points, the low end and the high end. And and the really good news about that is the high end uh, usually is where it's been strong with Stearns & Foster and Sealy hybrids, but the under 1,000 price points in Q2 actually grew nicely. Um, We think that's a result of a number of things we're doing, uh, quality and programs with retailers, but we also think it's a a function of the tariffs that went into place during the quarter as well. So we expect that trend to continue. So that's a high level of what's going on with the business. Uh, When I look underneath it and say, well, how is that happening? Um, I think you've got to kind of start with Tempur-Pedic. You've got to say, look, I think our products are winning I think we've got uh, in the second quarter, we finished the rollout with a complete line of Temper Breeze products, both Pro Breeze and Lux Breeze, which completed the full revamp of the Tempur-Pedic line that began back in early 2018. So the products are strong. Uh, they are retailing very well. There's getting, we're getting high levels of velocity out of some very high price points. And so the temper business is, is, is strong. And I'll speak a little bit later probably on some of the things we're doing in the marketing realm to help with that as well. So we're, we're seeing, I think, firing on all cylinders as it relates to the Tempur-Pedic brand. Uh, and I already mentioned some of the Sealy, uh, impact on the low end, but I tell you, Stearns and Foster has fully rolled out during the quarter and that's producing some very strong results at retail from the standpoint of velocity and consumer satisfaction and really RSA endorsements. So across the board, those are all working well. Um, when we look at what's next for the business, you know, we've got uh, obviously a lot of things in the hopper uh, that I can't talk about, but we are, we have recently in Las Vegas, we debuted the uh, Temper Ergo Smart Bases. And those smart bases are um, 
are really that. They're smart. Um, in addition to the, all the functionality you'd expect out of a Tempur-Pedic adjustable power base, we also added an integrated sleep tracking mechanism through a partnership with a company called Full Power. And that integrated sleep tracking not only monitors your biometrics and your sleep patterns, but it also is the first and only product that automatically detects and automatically responds to a snoring event. And in the world of sleep, the number two reason people stay awake is because of partner snoring. And uh, we believe that this is a great step towards bringing a solution to the consumer that will ultimately encourage them to pay premium prices for adjustable bases um, and, and maintain the price table of adjustables. So that's a real positive for us. We're very excited about that. Um, we also debuted some things under secret wraps that I can't talk about now at, at Las Vegas, but th- there'll be more to come on those as we roll into the into the winter market, uh, you know, in January. So I think we're we're very excited about all that. Well, there's a lot to talk about there. I want to start with brand, and then Kinsley, maybe you can hit him with the technology integration because I think there's a lot to that. But Rick, you talked about brand, and you know, back when I was coming up in the industry 26 years ago. Um, I worked with Sealy, and it was all about aided and unaided awareness. That was the conversation. We would march into retailers and talk about how great the Sealy brand was, and awareness was the thing. And then Tempur-Pedic came along and did such an amazing job of creating preference, and that became the new measuring stick. So it's not the fact that they know who you are. It was It evolved into a new measuring stick of do they prefer what you have? And I think, and I, I've said this before in blog posts I've written, but I think the Ask Me campaign is probably one of the best consumer product campaigns I've ever seen to really, and, and it's kind of like, hey, don't ask me. Uh, listen to the people that own our stuff. And so you guys invested very heavily for a long period of time to build value in that, in, in the intangible asset of your brand, which drove a lot of interest at retail and consumers and gave you leverage with retail. Um, fast forward to today, you've got a lot of guys on the scene spending big money building those brands. You've got Purple and Nectar and Casper and um, and people coming in. And at first it was disruptive. Now it's just part of who we are as an industry. But um, talk about your commitment to the Temper brand, Sealy brand, Stearns brand, and and how the other, you know, Kinsley and I always talk about competition's a good thing. And um, has has the entry of those guys actually maybe been a good thing for Tempur-Pedic in that sense? Yeah, okay. Um, uh, let's talk about value brands first. I think the, um, uh, the obvious thing I'll, I'll point out is that as a publicly traded company, we have a value. Um, Right now, today, uh, whatever it is, or the company's worth three and a half, four billion dollars. Um, if you peel away uh, all the things we own, all of our assets, our plants, our people, all of the real things that would go into creating value, you take off maybe maybe you know a few hundred million of that. That means like three and a half billion dollars of the company's value resides in an intangible thing called the brands. That's what. That's what produces future revenue. That's what investors pay for. And that's why it's so darn important that a company maintain its brand strength and as a way of maintaining its brand value. So from a business point of view, you have to have a strong brand 
because the ass, the other, all the other assets in the company don't come close to equating what the brand is worth in terms of the overall value. So the question becomes, how do you make sure your brand is being invested in and being built? And back to your point about the Ask Me campaign, if you recall, the key insight to the Ask Me campaign is that Tempur-Pedic was the most highly recommended bed in America. And as a result of the high level of recommendation and owner satisfaction, we were able to use our owners as our spokespeople. And you're right, that was an incredibly powerful and breakthrough way of doing it. But the key insight was that people who owned Tempur-Pedic mattresses were willing to go out and be evangelists about their mattress and convince other people that they should have it as well. So that still exists. As a matter of fact, I'm happy to let everybody know that we just – every year we have to do research to make sure we can still say the the claim. But we just in the last week or so revalidated uh, with consumer research that Tempur-Pedic is indeed still the most highly recommended bed in America. So it starts there. We've got an equity that we know we can leverage in terms of creating additional owners for the brand. And then it's really a function of how do we go out and communicate that equity. And to your point, it is about creating preference. Um, I'd Give me a brand that has low awareness but has extremely high preference. I'll take that every single day because in today's world, with the digital marketing and digital media capabilities that exist, I can target my message to those consumers who are aware and have that preference. And so it's it's very possible, very easy to find those that have the preference. And that way you can take all of those other advertising messages that used to fall on deaf ears and target them very efficiently to a consumer who already has a preference for your brand or a consumer who looks like somebody who might be able to have a preference for your brand. So our efforts right now are really focused on how do we transition our traditional media plans, which is heavy TV and heavy radio and heavy print. How do we do some of that? And how do we supplement that with a very rich and deep digital marketing capability and uh, experience for our customers? And frankly, that's really what the disruptors taught us. Uh, the disruptors said, look, we can go out and we can be very efficient and effective at picking off people who have a preference for Tempur-Pedic. Well, enough of that. We need to go out and pick off people who have a preference for other brands, and we need to bring people into our brands. So, you know, you, you, competition does make you stronger. In the case of these disruptors, we're a much better marketing company now than we were just a few short years ago, and we were pretty good then. So we continue to see the brand as being vital and that the steps we're taking to bring our marketing into the 21st century to be absolutely on uh, spot on target. And quite frankly, it's working quite well right now. Oh, hold on just a minute. That must be Sarah from Pure Care. Hey, what's happening, Sarah? Hey, Dos Marcos. So today I want to touch a little bit on e-commerce, right? Dun, 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 dun. Uh, Ecom, let's face it, continues to push the boundaries of what the world of retail looks like today. And I find this topic to be a really common thread, um, and in some cases, a common threat amongst the industry retailers that I talk to today. Like it or not, Ecom is influencing the way that customers shop for almost everything, and that, of course, impacts us as well. 
So the question that I get a lot is how Pure Care is helping our retailers compete with the Amazons and the Parachutes and the Targets and the Bed Bath & Beyonds and everybody else who's selling online and in big box today. And it's a big question, but I do have some answers for you. One of the ways that Pure Care is helping retailers is by price mapping every single online retailer to protect our brick and mortar partners so that while customers are in your store, they aren't finding our products for cheaper online. That's important. Another way that Pure Care helps retailers stand out is by making products that offer more. Pure Care's products offer more than comfort. That's a huge focus for us, of course, building comfort into everything we do, but we make sleep products. That's a given. PureCare's products also offer more than quality, and quality is a must. Not meeting a customer's expectations for quality is the quickest way to send them to your competition. So with comfort and quality aside, PureCare's products offer additional benefits that expand the conversation with your customer. So by increasing those product touch points in every Pure Care product, we're increasing the likelihood that it will meet your customer's sleep needs. Whether they respond to products that are designed to help them create a cleaner sleep environment or products infused with responsive technical textiles that help them find the right solutions for their sleep needs. Whatever it is, we're helping customers find value in the unique products that they find in specialty sleep stores. On top of that, we're training RSAs to have intelligent conversations about the sleep wellness solutions that Pure Care's products offer. And that is something, quite simply, that Ecom and Big Box are not set up to do. Specialty sleep has the advantage when they can offer products that provide more than comfort and quality. So beyond all of that, we're helping our retailers compete by working with them to develop custom products based on what their customers are looking for. Our product development teams and in-house marketing capabilities are at our retailers' disposal. Those are just a few ways off the top of my head that PureCare is putting our specialty sleep retailers in the soft goods business. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Talk to you soon. Rick, it's a huge number, and it's not one that I'd heard in the past. You know, about $3.5 billion in value is attributed to brand. And we have this conversation in the industry frequently. You know, you have people sit up on these panels that we talked about earlier. (laughs) These are retailer panels, and they'll say, people want good brands to believe in. There just aren't very many. And I've heard retailers say that, but, you know, the default position tends to be, you know, you've you got a Tempur-Pedic as, you know, an incredibly strong brand. But t- take us into, you talked about that evolution as a marketing company, how some of the d- disruptors have actually kind of spurred you forward, made you better. Uh, earlier, you mentioned this term, and I jotted it down, handles and hooks. What are your handles and hooks? Take us into some of those specifics on um, handles and hooks and you as a marketing company today and where you're going. Well, I'll um, I just hit on a couple of them uh, as it relates to our brand uh, the, around the Tempur-Pedic brand. I mean, one of the big handles and hooks is that is that recommended recommendation status. I mean, that's really big for Tempur-Pedic. Um, I think there's a number of messages that we put forth to our consumers that I would also classify as ways to differentiate our brand. So, what I mean by handles and hooks, I mean I'm, I'm, you're putting things onto the brand that people can grab onto, or that can grab people. 
So handles you grab onto, hooks to grab people. Um, and then they shake them awake and they say, listen, this is the real deal here. This is what's really important. And what's really important for our brands is to, is to one, demonstrate that we are different than other brands at the product level. Okay, so we're spending a lot of time and energy with a lot of digital content that's focused on giving customers what they need to have in order to make a purchase decision. So as an example, uh, Temper Breeze, uh, uh, the, all the marketing materials talk about how the, how the bed is constructed, but more importantly, that that construction leads to the ability to sleep eight degrees cooler during the night, all night long. So you have that hook to say, wow, the number one unmet need in sleep is sleeping hot. And therefore, breeze at eight degrees cooler during the night must be a wonderful way to deal with that issue. So that's a handle and hook. Sealy, interesting, interesting Sealy thing. I, and we might touch on this later, but we've got a whole new line of Sealy compressed mattresses. And we recently, um, it's just now being finalized. I just saw actually the finished, um, execution uh, this week it's there's a small little cartoonish type ad that we've done that will be played in digital space and on websites that basically talks about how sealy compressed mattresses are fresh they're made in the usa the length of time from manufacturer to customer home is minimized and they don't have the same issue as beds that are imported from overseas where they spend Months on a hot ship, they spent, they're made in factories of unknown origin, and when you open them up, they may or may not respond. So the hook there is to obviously say, look, as you're considering a compressed mattress, make sure it's made in the USA. We're not saying it has to be a Sealy, but certainly make sure it's made in the USA. So, um, you know, those types of things are really important to differentiating our brands. Uh, the Stearns and Foster brand is all about uh, the quality and the craftsmanship, and it's really geared towards – uh, this is one of those where you have very low awareness, but you have very high preference. It's geared towards people who love their homes, and they want to make their homes into a wonderful place, and Stearns and Foster is the bed you have when you are that sort of a person. So hopefully that those examples help a little bit. They do. And Rick, let's go back to, uh, so on our Dismarco's podcast Facebook page, Kevin Split with City Furniture, um, asked a question about Purple and Nectar and other direct to consumer players and, um, wanted to know about your strategy with Temper Cloud. Is this Temperpedic's way to kind of, um, combat that or address that and compete in that space? You mentioned the Sealy bed in the box. Can you talk a little bit about what your strategy is there? Well, I'd say I'd say it's one of many strategies we have. Um, and uh, as we've announced, the the Temper Cloud compressed Tempur-Pedic mattress is available right now in five markets. It's online only, um, and it it has a purpose, which I'll touch on in a minute. But before I go there, let me let's talk about the whole portfolio of products. Um, if you look from anywhere from three ninety nine. To about seven, or not actually about a about a thousand dollars, you'll find five Sealy mattresses uh, in a compressed format in those uh, in those price ranges. We also have our Cocoon by Sealy, which has been a brand that's been around for four or five years now, and it, it does extremely well uh, at conquesting competitive brands. Uh, it's a very good brand to have. It's a very it means a lot in terms of its equity. It's earned quite a bit of uh, notoriety and awareness. Uh, and then you have the Tempur-Pedic brand at the high end. And, and frankly, you know, 
if you look at the compressed bedding market, all of the velocity is below $1,000. And that's okay with us. I mean, we have products there to compete and so on. What we don't want to have happen is we don't want to have anybody who's a pure play disruptor have the ability to elevate their price points to levels that are higher because then that makes their business model more viable. And so Temper Cloud is sits right there at seventeen ninety nine as a way to address consumers who are looking to pay between a thousand and two thousand dollars. And we think it's a viable competitor in that in that space. So I think that will it's gonna be hard to sell a bed higher than that um, in terms of price point. Uh, so we see Temper Cloud as playing a, a very important role in our portfolio. We don't yet know if it's uh, you know, going to pass through the test phase and into broader distribution. That's an unknown thing at this point in time. So at the at a minimum, we we, we see ourselves as being very, um, I think, uh, 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 complete in terms of our portfolio of compressed products. Hey Rick, on that note, so a lot of these these guys direct to consumer. Um, they came in and were early disruptors, and now, like I, like we said before, it's kind of evolved into being the industry, just a norm. But um, do you, so, not many of them are making money. So the acquisition cost has gone up so high because of the competition in the digital space uh, for attention and uh, buying AdWords and, and such. Um, do you look at it um, the same way, which is its market share grab? sales to fund more marketing, to fund more sales, to fund more marketing, which is a push into brick and mortar. Do you kind of see that's where they're headed? Um, yeah, it, 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 I'll get maybe an indirect way of getting to the same point. I think if you, if, if, if you have a world that's only sold online and there's no brick and mortar, I think the quality and the uh, ability to have a decent night's sleep is out the window. Uh, I think I think the role that brick and mortar plays is is here to stay. I think that brick and mortar is incredibly important in the demonstration and the selection of premium bedding that allows a consumer to sleep better. And I think that it is um, the best place and the best experience to have when you're buying a mattress. If you don't check the disruptors in in the space, then you know they put significant pressure on brick and mortar. So, um, I think there'll always be a component of the of the market that that prefers to buy online. I think largely that will be a lower priced component uh, segment of the marketplace. And I think that the ability to um, to to take some of the disruptor brands and move them uh, at, to higher price points is is I think uh, very unproven. Um, you're right about the cost of acquisition. Um, you know, Tempur-Pedic has a, has, a, has a direct business. We've actually been able to drive our customer acquisition costs down recently uh, because we've gotten more efficient with how we apply digital marketing concepts. Um, I'm sure the others will figure out a way to do that as well over time. Um, but to your point, they, they're not making any money. Um, we, have, uh, we have the ability to track through credit card transactional data uh, what happens with online purchases of bed in the box and it has plateaued and is now declining. And that's why you're seeing the likes of purple and the likes of tuft and needle and the likes of nectar and even Casper try to make a push into traditional retail. Uh, there simply isn't enough in the, in the digital space to uh, give them a path to growth nor a path to profitability. So it's critical that they, 
do something with with broader distribution, which is kind of ironic because they kind of started with the fact that mattress stores were greedy, and now all of a sudden they need a lot of mattress stores. So, um, you know, I don't know how to play that one through. So, interesting. Now, now Rick, don't, let's not hold people accountable. <laughs> Hey, I've got a long memory here. I, I mean, I remember that golf bag from way back when. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, take us take us into. You talked about the importance of brick and mortar. Uh, you talked about the evolution of the industry and where some of the direct to consumer brands that originated online are trying trying to play and develop the skill sets needed to to properly compete in brick and mortar. Tempur-Pedic, Tempur-Sealy, Stearns and Foster, all your brands, your portfolio of products. Very familiar with the brick and mortar space, and, and one of the big stories over the past couple of years was that you know, one of the biggest brands had split with one of the biggest retail brands, and now Tempur-Pedic is going to be going back into mattress firm. Talk about that move and what that means for the industry. Um, well, it's not a secret. Um, we we were hopefully very transparent with the decision, um, so I'll, I'll spend a minute on the actual decision and you know I'll go back I have to turn the clock back a little bit and you know you go back to the in 2017 the companies decided to stop doing business together and that was over a myriad of reasons that are no longer all that relevant but they were relevant at the time and you know fundamentally uh, what it enabled uh, Temper Sealy to do was to go out and figure out um, exactly what the best way to do business with with the remaining customers. We we got better as a result of the as uh, the result of the divorce. Um, and over that two years, you know, 17, 18, all the way through 19, what we've been able to do with our customers has been, I think, just short of phenomenal. I mean, we've, 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 we've changed the dialogue with those retailers. We talk about the consumer journey. We talk about how important it is that retailers uh, become a relevant part of that consumer journey. Don't relinquish that to the online guys. Be the be the source of evaluation, be the source of exploration, and that will lead you to be the source of the actual transaction. And and we've worked hard with our retailers to bring that um, forward. And in doing so, we've learned an awful lot about um, the the path that consumers take through uh, the purchase journey. And uh, it isn't always positive, and uh, there's a lot of dissatisfaction out there. And so we've been working hard to try to find a way through our Retail Edge program to enhance that that shopping experience. Now you fast forward to today and we were very open with all of our customers about the, uh, and you look back at any transaction that we've said publicly from 2017 all the way to 2019, we laid out what we call the four criteria and those four criteria, uh, were very much written so that we could address the questions we were inevitably getting every time we turned around about where we're getting back together with mattress firm. And the four criteria were pretty basic. Um, you know, the, any, any retail partner we do business with has to have financial stability. Any retail partner we do business with has to be strategically aligned, meaning they'll, you know, they, they appreciate our brands and the role our brands play. Any retailer we do business with, we have to have trust in, in the management team and trust in the business plan that that management team has. And then any, any partnership we have, we want it to be durable. We want it to be uh, able to stand the test of time. And as we got to know and work with the new mattress firm board of directors after the um, after the Chapter 11 filing, we became very um, uh, comfortable with their ability to meet all of those criteria. And ultimately, that led to 
uh, a decision to re-engage and a decision that we announced back in June that we would be going back on on the mattress firm floors, uh, you know, towards the end of 19 and into early 2020 as we kind of work through the, you know, the distribution plan and so on and so forth. So that's kind of where we sit um, from the standpoint of is this good or not good for for the the industry and for retailers. Uh, you know, obviously we have a perspective that says it's it's a good thing. Um, it is yes, it's more points of distribution for our product, but as a result of the the reconciliation, there'll be a lot more Temper Sealy advertising. I mean, Mattress Firm will be an advertiser of Temper Sealy. Right now, they don't advertise at all. So, back to your point earlier about awareness, you, one would expect that the increased advertising share of voice would help to increase the awareness of Temper Sealy brands in the marketplace. The second thing, which is which is an extension of that, which is very real, is as our sales grow as a result of having Mattress Firm back into our portfolio of customers, so will our advertising budgets. Um, you know, our plan, our announced plan, is to hold the rate of spend for advertising at the same level it's been, which means as the sales go up, the advertising dollars go up dramatically. So think about that as being a lot of extra uh, national advertising for uh, Temper Sealy brands. Uh, the second big thing that is is there is we'll have every one of Temper, everyone, I'm sorry, every one of Mattress Firm's RSAs will become advocates of Temper Sealy, uh, not necessarily detractors of Temper Sealy. So we're very excited about having uh, increased advocacy, which will help again elevate the brands. And then lastly, I think the the for, for the industry, when you think about the addition of of Temper Sealy on Mattress Firm's floor, we believe they can begin a transition from being a very, you know, discount-focused retailer to being one that wants to sell higher-end products and wants to bring a better experience to the premium consumer in the marketplace. And this mixture of of, of our brands, Stearns & Foster, Sealy Hybrid, Tempur-Pedic, uh, which are all Priced above a thousand, if not above two thousand uh, dollars, will lead mattress firms towards a path of needing to promote these brands as opposed to promoting brands at significant discounts. And by the way, most of the products that we 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 sell are going to be sold at MAP pricing. So that will help to we think elevate the entire industry and get us away from what we've been experiencing the last few years, which is a bit of a race to the bottom as it relates to promotional cadence. Boy, isn't that the truth? Um... The Amazon factor, I don't want to get into that because we have a lot of other things to talk about, but the Amazon factor is certainly causing some commoditization or drop in price and the way they sell product. But I want to ask you a question, Rick. I know that when you made the decision to go back uh, with Mattress Firm, you guys got back together and that was announced. Talk a little bit about, um, you know, there was probably some retailers out there because you had set up some things. Did you get some push from any of the retail partners, what was that like? Have you overcome it if you have? Just talk a little bit about uh, the disruption maybe of that decision. Well, I, I, I can't go into any specific reactions of any specific customers, but I think on, on balance in general, I can summarize it this way. Um, because we had been very transparent in our communications over the time of the divorce period, um, I don't think anybody was really surprised. Um, I don't think it came as a shock to people that we were going to get back together again. And when you stop to think about it, I mean, you're talking about the largest global mattress company and the largest global mattress retailer. I mean, how do they not do business together? So I think from the standpoint of 
was it expected? Was it anticipated? And were people surprised? I think I think I think we did a you know we did a, an admirable job of not having this become a, a shock to the system. I think secondly, uh, every retailer out there uh, uh, you know appreciates the fact that if there is a level playing field, then those retailers feel very confident in their own ability to compete. And and we've given great assurances that all, so much thought went into whether or not we reengage and how we reengage that we've created an environment where where there won't be distorted advantages for one any customer over another customer. So we think the level playing field concept is is alive and well. And I think based on those two points, uh, I think I think our retail um, our retail customers and our, our retail partners that we have are, are very, um, you know, they're comfortable that the new world we're heading to is a place where we're going to see advantages. I'm not going to say there's not going to be competition between those retailers, but it's always been there. And as a matter of fact, it's been there. It's there today. Um, so we're not really introducing anything that's different into the equation. Uh, and we believe that all the benefits far, far outweigh any of the any of the negatives here. We posted on our Facebook page ahead of this. We said, hey, we're going to be talking with Rick Anderson from Temper Sealy. Any questions you want to ask him? And we really appreciate everybody who did post. Kevin Split, Dale Reed, TJ Whelan, Mark Young, Joshua Rigsby, uh, Stephen Houck, um, just to name a few, posted some great questions. And uh, a couple of them I'll pluck out, you know, are very apropos to the conversation about, you know, Temper Sealy and Mattress Firm reuniting. And one of them is around the idea of the free adjustable base promotion that Mattress Firm uh, has deployed here, you know, recently. Talk, talk about how that promotion uh, dovetails with, you know, any business decisions from Temper Sealy and how you might manage that. Well, I, again, I'll back up a little bit. I think it's always easy to start with the context. Um, the current condition of the adjustable base business in the United States um, Personally, you know, kind of sickens me. Um, as I said, I've been here 14 years, and over that time period, we focused Tempur-Pedic on selling adjustable bases the right way. Selling adjustable bases as an upsell uh, to the to the sell. We 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 found ways to advertise, promote, build features in, uh, develop the probably the best sales process in the industry about how to sell an adjustable base. And over the years, we built a really strong business for ourselves in adjustable bases, and we built a really strong business for the industry. Now, obviously, what happens is when when you have success like that, it breeds a lot of competition, and other people want a piece of that. And so there's a lot of new players in the adjustable space that weren't there before. And there's new ideas and tactics around how to do it, like uh, free adjustable base promotions that we see across the industry. Um, you know, I can't go into specifics about uh, conversations we've had uh, on this topic with any customer, but I can tell you that, you know, our objective long term is to build the value of adjustable bases so that we maintain the price table, so that retailers and RSAs can continue to to to, to realize kind of out, outsized benefits financially from selling adjustable bases, and the goal is to not have an adjustable base be priced the same price as a flat foundation or as a free item. Um, so when we talk about our strategies long-term as a company, we are building ways in to build the value of adjustable bases, like the smart bases I talked about earlier. Um, we want 
uh, adjustable bases to be a vibrant part of the industry. And we want adjustable bases to become, um, uh, to be stabilized in terms of their price points and their profitability so that we can benefit and every retailer in the country can benefit from a healthier adjustable base business over time. Now, that's just where we're, what's where we're focused. That's what we're going to continue to do. And you can imagine that a lot of that plays into our conversations with every retailer that we do business with. Um, you know, typically you cannot use on any retail floor, a a, a, a non-Tempur-Pedic base with a Tempur-Pedic mattress. It's simply it's it's not part of the brand policies we have. So uh, anyway, we've 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 worked hard on this. Uh, we feel very good about the future of adjustable bases, and we're making investments in them. And uh, you know, drive forward. There's a lot of profit to be made here for everybody. So, Rick, on that note, um, temper mats under temper on top of temper bases. Uh, and I understand that there are some legalities around the next question, but people are really curious as to how it's going to be handled with temper and mattress from giving away those bases at $300, I believe, is the value of that. Is that something that temper is going to be able to do given MAP policies? And just to whatever degree you can answer, that would be great. Yeah, again, I can't get into a lot of detail about specific situations with customers, but but know that our brand policies are very um, instrumental to maintaining the value of our brand. Uh, know that our brand policies are, are published across the landscape, and anybody who wants to see a copy of them, either they already have a copy or they can get a copy. And, um, and, and, and that's the standards by which we live by. Um, you know, we have uh, – we have uh, a lot of, as I said, a lot of um, confidence in, in the industry's ability to uh, drive adjustable base sales, and, and I mean those in the in, in the high quality kind of way. Rick, let's talk about the future. You mentioned the the smart snore feature, and by the way, I need to backtrack and and add an exclamation point to something that you said earlier, Rick, which I thought was <laughs> I kind of found myself smiling. Uh, you said. The adjustable base, this new innovation from from Tempur-Pedic, is able to automatically raise whenever there was a quote snore event. And I thought, if you got a snore event going on, you know that that's serious business. <laughs> I've never heard it called a snore event. Yeah, but, but I love seeing you know technology baked into the products that we sell that's meaningful. Uh, not something that's a bell and a whistle just just for the sake of having something different on the sales floor, and that to me is a is a meaningful innovation. Um, so th- thumbs up on that, and I I hope that that goes really well, and I hope that that solves problems for people that are having a hard time sleeping, uh, having a hard time with that number two sleep issue. Uh, but Tempur-Pedic, um, Tempur-Sealy, uh, widely known um, in the industry, especially on the Tempur-Pedic side for the innovation in materials. Uh, you know, the story around Tempur-Pedic's founding, you know, the, the material science from NASA and then being able to demonstrate that. Talk about talk about some of the decisions you're making for the future in terms of material science and innovation and the evolution of that. And that's something that Dale Reed brought up on our Facebook page. And I think it's a it's a great thing for us to kind of look at the crystal ball and see what's next. Yeah, I think that's a, a great question that Dale asked. Um as it relates to what's on the horizon, I think I think first you have to start with you know let, let's dance with who brought us right. So we've got uh, an incredible amount of resource uh, invested today in R and D capabilities to develop advanced temper materials, 
uh, to develop ad- advanced spring configurations and designs, to develop advanced textile materials in, in conjunction with our with our partners. Um, and so we have a state of the art uh, R and D lab uh, down in North Carolina, and uh, we we continue to pump a lot of dollars into the future. Um, we believe very strongly that if you don't do that then uh, the rest of the uh, manufacturers out there will catch up to you and you won't be special anymore. And it's so critical for us to maintain the specialness of the products we sell uh, because that's a key part of how and why we are successful. So uh, lots of investment going in. As far as what we see next, I mean, I mean, you're, you're kind of seeing a, a, an evolution of temper material today in, in, in the current Breeze product. Uh, there's a brand new uh, temper climate material in that product that is, didn't exist two years ago. It exists now. Um, and it's actually the kind of temper material that Breeze, but it also is so temper-like that it can sit near the top of the mattress and actually produce benefits to the to the sleeper, whereas before it might have been buried deep into the mattress. So uh, we continue to work on ways to make our own things better. Uh, likewise, we continue to look at uh, a little-known fact: we we own a uh, latex manufacturing facility in Pennsylvania, uh, and we're looking at ways to develop um, in future generations of latex. Uh, we also have uh, the the one of the few in the world uh, design organizations to actually design the configurations of our springs. We don't manufacture them, but we we do a lot of work on the design side of of making uh, making our products work and perform better. So, you know, as far as other materials out there, you know, there's a lot of things that you look at all the time. Suppliers are constantly coming at us with various ideas and concepts, and we listen hard to all of them. We evaluate all of them very, very thoroughly. But I got to tell you, the things I'm most excited about for our future are the same things I've been excited about in the 14 years I've been here, which is, you know, what advances can we make in temper material and what advances with this on the Sealy side can we make in spring configurations and other componentry within within the Sealy portfolio products. So there's a lot of work here. Um, it's a very exciting area and it, and it is a key part of our innovation. It's a key part of our quality. And it's a key part of our commitment to bringing better and better products to sleepers all around the world. Well, thank you. And, and that's some good insight. And in the spirit of that whole idea of evolving technology and product development, uh, you got – so when I got to Luggett and Kinsley was with me for this, um, we were – you know, temper and sleep number were out and really hammering at the time – coils and its old technology. And so we had a really hard time trying to figure out how do you make coils the cool kit again or relevant in in the market. So we had this idea after watching some golf and seeing hybrid golf clubs and hybrid cars and to to try and, and push the hybrid name or classification into the industry because the industry didn't really have the vocabulary to talk about inner spring beds at the high end of the range. And so we uh, we made a rap video. So, number one, have you seen the rap video? And you won't hurt our feelings, but did that whole thing, the hybrid, the excitement around the hybrid category, did that play any part in temper kind of getting into the – and, the- and real quickly, Rick, I would have asked that question differently. I would have said, hey, Rick, how many times have you seen – the get hybrid video. And can you uh, did you memorize any of it would be nice. 
Well, I, I can tell you, I absolutely remember it. It actually made it to one of our Temper Sealy National Sales meetings, as a matter of fact. So it made the big screen. Um, now, you're not going to charge me royalties for that, I hope. Well, but, no, but, if, you, if you have another meeting, let us know. We'll come in. And <laughs> yeah. No, it, it, I think, I think um, first of all, talking about various technologies um, uh, isn't really consumer speak. That's not how they think about it. But uh, that said, consumers aren't just in the business of liking one flavor, right? So there's a whole spectrum of consumer needs, desires, um, uh, their experiences over their lifetime. Uh, there's a lot of things that uh, go into what type of bed people like and feel comfortable on. So we we believe that there is a full spectrum of, of products that need to be brought, whether it's spring, hybrid, um, uh, temper material. We we have a line of memory foam materials within the Sealy line. We've got, as I mentioned earlier, latex. We believe that consumers, you know, can gravitate towards any one of those in various quantities. And and, and our our job is to is to make products that that attract as many consumers as we possibly can. So um, yeah, I don't think there's any uh, any doubt that the hybrid movement has helped. Uh, I think you look at price points today. In the, in the, uh, in a lot of our competitors' lines as well as in our own lines and you're seeing, you know, mattresses being sold fifteen hundred, two thousand, twenty five hundred, three thousand dollars. And it wasn't that long ago when, when those, uh, those spring prices were being compressed down below fifteen hundred. So I think it's been, I think there's been a lot of innovation in that area and I think it's helped to raise the average selling price. And I think in, along that it's, it's actually improved the, the consumer sleeping experience. So I'm all for it. Well, good. And, uh, thank you. That's, uh, we were kind of having some fun with that. But, uh, you know, it's funny because that whole thing kind of took off pretty quick and you guys did a great job of jumping in it. But hey, I, I want to let you know, uh, Kinsley and I were recently in New Orleans and Nationwide is a big partner of yours in terms of, uh, the retail distribution. And so you guys, so Roosing was on stage, Steve Roosing, um, VP of sales, uh, good guy. I've known him for a long time. We kind of got in the industry about the same time, but he did a great job representing you guys, as I'm sure you're aware. Um, and on, on stage in the Q and A with the nationwide audience, but then you guys put on a, a private party for people to launch some of the new products you had there. And I just got to tell you. Uh, your team there did a fantastic job. We were at the party, um, and we'll be podcasting about that whole experience later. But uh, your team did a terrific job. Roosing did a great job. And then Anna Claire Irwin and uh, Scott Warlick, uh, part of your team out there, they uh, they really represented the Temper Sealy family uh, in, a, in a great way. I just wanted to make sure you knew that. Oh, that's great. I appreciate the feedback. Yeah, Steve and I talked about it. He said he was surprised to see you guys there, um, but uh, but that but that you're welcome to come anytime. Um, you know. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I think it was a great party. I think that you know the nationwide mega group is is really a a wonderful partner to us, and and I know that the the efforts you bring, you know, that you put forth to make sure that people are aware of what goes on down there is really really important. I I had a chance to look through some of your facebook posts on on the trip and it looks like you guys had a great time in new orleans by the way I, 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 it seems like dos marcos for like you know cinco marcho marcos you guys were everywhere i mean you were there were mark and marks sightings throughout the whole city from what i can tell but thanks for the feedback i appreciate it well we did have a really nice time and your team um was was top notch and we appreciate uh you know the chance to catch up with them and, and to catch up with you rick i mean uh going back i, I remember Early on in the industry, you, you being one of the people that I saw first up on stage, 
sitting there talking with with some of your your competition <laughs> as we as we pointed out earlier, which was a little bit foreign, I guess, if you're getting into the industry and that was not something that had happened in any of your previous engagements. Um, but it's a great industry and it's people like like you that make it a great industry. We, we appreciate your your leadership and your willingness to sit down with us and and tell some of these stories. Um, here's here's one thing before we before we get too far away from it. Did we miss anything? What did we not ask you that you want to tell the world that you want to tell the industry? Uh, no, you guys were were pretty comprehensive in things. I I think that if if I had you know a, a podium and I could shout to the industry, um, I would I, I I would I would I would suggest one thing, and that is to you know never undersell what we do. Um, you know you've heard it; it's not cliche, but we do something extremely important. We we bring people a great night's sleep, and I think if we keep true to that and we continue to bring innovation and a high quality customer experience, the right kind of products, and we and we elevate our own game, I think consumers will continue to be uh, paying. Uh, premium prices for consumer for for products that they'll continue to enjoy those products more than they do other product categories, and that we as an industry can be you know viable for for many many years to come. And and you know all too often we get enamored with the the promotional price and the the declining price table and sell it cheap and things that go online that are selling sold for pennies on a dollar kind of thing. And I think really that we can't get away from the big picture. And the big picture is, look, if you build it right, the consumer will come and the consumer will come because they see it as a path towards a better night's sleep and a healthier lifestyle. So I can't iterate that enough. It's something I firmly believe in. And I think it's really uh, a very high order thing for our industry to be taking on. We could not have said that better ourselves. We agree completely. There's a lot of great benefits that come from a great night of sleep, and a lot of consumers don't connect the mattress to that, oddly enough. So we all have a big job to do. Rick, can't thank you enough. Appreciate you being on the show. And, uh, you know, just next big meeting, let us know. We'll come uh, perform this song for you live. Just say the word. Thanks, guys. You can bounce on it. Oh, oh. What is a hybrid? It's like peanut butter jelly, peanut butter chocolate. Hybrid so tight, there's no way that you could topple it. Hybrid on my wrist, that's a calculator watch. We add ourselves together and we take it up a notch. Got the airflow, yo, keep you cool as it get. Visco foam alone to make you drip sweat. Get a hybrid mattress, yes, you'll get better rest. Cool and comfortable. Hybrid like a sweater vest. You know the game, we're ahead of it, son. Cause the two of us together are way better than one. Cause I'm cool. And I'm hot like a heater Bounce by the ounce Now we got it by the leader Well you take a spring And you wrap it up right You can sleep so smooth Or bounce all night Put two together Get a whole lot more Get the feel of the comfort core You can bounce on it Lay back You don't have to practice The best thing to happen To your mattress Get together to do it Like I did Everybody get high if you want somebody to get in your vicinity, you probably want to feel a little bit of a hybridity. Foam alone, add a 
five, maybe one star. Springs and foam, we're taking care of that lumbar. Mad back support, the best way to shack up or just get rest that won't mess your back up. Like a hot chick mixed with a particle physicist or a mullet. Party in the back of the business. Best of both worlds like Mars and Venus. The ultimate hybrid. Keeping it loose while keeping it tight We can make you sleep or play all night Put two together, get a whole lot more Get the feel of the comfort core You can bounce on it No stopping when the beat gets played back Springs keep it popping, phone keeps it laid back Party over here, get invited Everybody get high Right, listen, doesn't matter if your kitchen is charming when your bedroom's the most important part of the apartment. What kind of bed do you keep back there? Does your girl want to chill on a beanbag chair? Hell no! You need springs and foam, cause if that bowling ball don't bounce, you'll be sleeping alone. And if the bed don't react, then you can't get low. We, we got, got that type of bounce, bounce that won't spill your Merlot. So stick with us and you'll get rewarded. Cause I'm so gentle and I'm so supportive. Is where the magic is And we just killed a song about mattresses